So today I have a very special episode for you. I'm actually sharing a special talk I did for some of the women inside of my virtual Bible study community group, our membership group called Encompass. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I do wanna warn you if you have little ones listening, maybe you're in the car, if there's little ears around, you're gonna wanna grab headphones. Um, or you're gonna wanna pause this right now and save this episode and come back later because I am gonna talk about some personal topics today. So this is your warning before I start. So today I'm sharing a very personal yet extremely transformational part of my personal testimony that I feel is really important to talk about. Um, as I've, you know, if you've listened to any of my other episodes, you, you know, one of the biggest things that I had struggled with was opening my heart to Jesus. I had a lot of um, walls up in my heart when it comes to uh, just being an emotional person, developing intimacy, and God is really teaching me how to love and how to receive love. And through the process of developing deeper intimacy with Him, unexpectedly, He actually healed a huge piece of my marriage. Um, And He broke a curse off that I didn't even know, I didn't even realize was such a curse until He completely broke that chain. And so today I wanna talk deeply about Jesus as our spiritual husband, going deeper in intimacy and developing a deeper relationship with Him I'm going to talk all about the beauty of the bridal metaphor in the Bible, us as the bride of Christ and Jesus as our bridegroom. We're going to talk all about some really cool parallels that you may have never seen that I hope will have you see the gospel with new eyes, fresh fire, and make your heart come alive. But also, again, how developing this relationship with him can completely transform and set you up for beautiful relationships in your physical life, in in your life here on earth. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're dating, I hope and I pray and I believe that this will hopefully inspire you to seek him more and to see how much our spiritual relationships affect our physical relationships here on earth. Um, So with that, let's dive in. Welcome to Your Will Be Done, which basically means, okay, God, I am done doing it my way. I surrender. It's your turn to lead. (laughs) This is the show for ambitious Christian women. Maybe you're a mom, a wife, a business owner, a corporate employee, or let's be honest, all of the above. And you're trying to figure out what exactly it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus in modern day life. What does surrendering it all and letting God lead actually mean when you've got bills, responsibility, kids to provide for? Whether you've recently been born again and this whole Christianity thing is brand new to you, or you've been a Christian for years and you want that fresh fire and deeper intimacy with God, and you really wish you had a girlfriend to help you navigate this entirely new and often very countercultural path, hi, that's me. My name is Sarah Petrucci, and I'm a former network marketer turned online mindset and manifestation coach who was radically born again in 2021. My entire identity was wrapped up in work and achievement until Jesus came into my life, changed everything, and made me new. I surrendered it all at his feet, and I'm taking you with me on the real, often messy journey so we can figure it all out together. I won't claim to be an expert, and I'll always tell you to test everything I share by going to your Bible, but God is teaching me a ton, and he is radically transforming my heart and my mind. So I'm sharing all of my revelations, learnings, and real life lessons with you while also bringing on other guests so you can hear from other women's stories too. If you're hungry to grow in intimacy with God, live a life led by the spirit, and you're not afraid to get a little messy with me as I share the real life journey of following Jesus, then let's do this sister.
Hi, ladies. I just wanted to share a really special message that's on my heart this week with you as we head into Valentine's week, uh, a message that's all about love and all about loving God and all about loving others that comes from that relationship. And I want to just be really frank with you. I am no expert here. Um, I am new to a lot of this and the things and the concepts I'm going to talk to you about tonight are things that used to be and still are a little bit very uncomfortable for me to talk about, um, to express. And so I just pray that, um, well, let's pray together actually. Heavenly Father, I just come to you today and I just pray over all of the women inside this group. And I just thank you for allowing us to be together. I thank you for allowing us to spend this time together and to be in fellowship in your word and to learn more and more about you and to dive deeper into relationship with you through this experience. I know that you've called each of us, you've called each of us individually and you're drawing us in closer to your heart. You're drawing us in closer to you and you're calling us to dive deeper into that relationship with you, Lord. Um, the most important relationship we could ever have. You know, the number one commandment you tell us is to love the Lord your God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, Lord. And that is the most, you are the most important relationship that we could have is a relationship with you. And so I pray, Lord, that you speak through me as I share these concepts. Um, I thank you for healing me in areas that I'm going to share with these women tonight. And I thank you for the fresh revelation that you've given me when it comes to relationship with you that I'm able to share with these women. And I just pray that their hearts are pierced and that you just pour into them through the power of your Holy Spirit, fresh fire and fresh love for you, Lord, that they maybe experience a deeper awareness of your presence in their life, that they understand and see the gospel with new eyes and, 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 a, and a new heart even. And I just pray that you soften their hearts and allow them to receive this message and to be able to be taken deeper into that intimate relationship with you, Lord. And I thank you for this. And I thank you for this opportunity. Um, and I just ask that you speak through me and help these women grow in their relationship with you, Lord. And I pray all of that in Jesus name. Amen. So tonight I'm going to talk to you about love and I'm going to talk to you about intimacy with God and intimacy with others. And <laughs> Jesus and intimacy are two things that were very uncomfortable for me for a long time. And I'm going to share my testimony with you um, and a really powerful testimony that God has actually <clears throat> done in my life in, in over the last few months um, that is part of my, building my relationship with him and healing parts of my relationship with my spouse. Now, whether you're married or not, this talk will apply to you, but let's dive in first and foremost. So God is love. God created love. And in 1 John 4, uh, 7 through 16, although I skip some parts, I just want to read this to you because it's so beautiful. Um, it says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is how we know that we live in him and him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete. We love because he first loved us. So God's number one commandment, we see this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, is um, Jesus himself told us this is love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, 
with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus actually says too, if you love me, then you'll keep my commands, which is almost like saying, if you love me, then you'll love me. So I will confess that up until around um, September uh, 2021, I didn't love Jesus. Um, he was not number one in my heart or my mind or my soul. Uh, I worshiped so many other things, my work, especially my business, social media, my clients, my, um, the courses I was taking, the books I was reading, the education I was always pursuing, the coaches I was learning from and, and really idolizing. And I loved all these things. I spent all my time on these things. And, you know, I said I had a personal relationship with God, but the truth was, is I didn't know Jesus. So how could I truly know God and how could I truly love him? See, I was going to church. I was reading my Bible even, and I was interested in him. I wanted the blessings of God in my life, but I never actually opened my heart to Jesus. I would never allow myself to go there. Um, it just felt too uncomfortable. I think I was too, uh, I had too many walls up in my heart. Uh, I was very independent and he had been knocking. He started knocking but I kept doing my own thing. I brushed off the signs. I kept busying myself and distracting myself with my work, my dreams, my to-do list, my ambitions. And I invited God into my plans when it was convenient. And I prayed to God for my needs. And even when I didn't deserve it at all, he blessed me in so many ways. And Jesus was super patient with me while I was literally dating the devil and loving the, wor loving the world. But the truth was, I didn't know how to open my heart to anyone. I didn't know how to be intimate. I didn't know right natured intimacy. I didn't know what that looked like. I was afraid. I didn't fully trust anyone outside of myself. My idea of intimacy was warped by my experiences growing up of boys taking advantage of me, of seeing my parents' marriage completely fall apart with infidelity. Um, and then when they divorced, I remember I was a teenager, I was a young teenager, and I made a a deep vow with myself that I would never rely on a man or anyone to take care of me, that I would only rely on myself, that I wouldn't rely on anyone else to support me or take care of me, and I wouldn't put my trust in anyone, that I would take care of myself, and that I would never be in a position to be vulnerable to potentially have the rug be pulled out from underneath me. I had this constant fear in my mind when life was good that it's all going to fall apart. It's all going to fall apart. It was this fear that ran wild in my mind all the time, my whole life. And oh man, how that affected my relationship spiritually with our loving father and with accepting Jesus into my heart. And the thing of it is, is that God is not like men of this world or anyone because he's not, you know, of this world. Um, but I didn't know this at that time. I didn't know this yet. And interestingly, uh, while I was unaware of the connection until recently, this whole thing my, my, my whole idea of relationship and intimacy and my lack thereof with God <clears throat> really, really affected my marriage and played out in my marriage. See, some of you may know my husband and I, and our marriage looks great on the outside. I love my husband. Um, we're, we're best friends. But the reality is, or was, I should say, <laughs> that more often than not, we were more just like roommates. If you were to see us behind closed doors, we were roommates. Um, I don't know that I ever truly experienced true intimacy with my husband. 
I don't really remember having that honeymoon phase except for before we were married. And I definitely, as sad as it is, I actually identified myself as asexual. I called myself broken when it came to having sex. I just felt like there, there was no part of me that liked it or wanted to. We'd have fight after fight about this, about my lack of desire of wanting to be intimate. And when we were intimate, um, I was plagued with these awful, hateful even thoughts that would run through my mind constantly. Awful things, awful things. If you could hear it, 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 it was crazy. And sometimes it was so bad that it would actually force me to stop halfway through during and I couldn't even do it. And then we'd end up, of course, fighting. I ended up crying and feeling guilty about it, but I still, you know, we didn't do it. So, um, and there were times when the D word was brought up and we would talk about how, you know, my husband would say like, this is going to lead us to divorce if we don't fix this. If we don't figure out what's, what's wrong with you. He didn't say it like that, but that's pretty much how it felt. And, you know, I would actually say things like one day you're probably going to have an affair with someone else because I'm not willing to have sex. And honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if he did. And this is, this is how I used, this is how we used to be not even that long ago. And how awful is that? Like, how awful is that? whether you can relate to that or not, that's not how God designed our marriages to be. And so I tried these different things to fix it, to fix myself. I would do these powerful exercises at Tony Robbins um, that he took us through. And I tried these new agey techniques. I tried breath work. I was even seeking and trying to find a sex therapist. Um, but the sad reality was I really didn't even really want to get better. For my husband, yes, I did. But I think what the real, the real truth is, is I honestly couldn't imagine myself ever enjoying sex in marriage. I said, I'd be fine without it forever. And I just assumed this was just the way it was. <clears throat> One second, <coughs> excuse me. So let me tell you the one thing that radically transformed this whole situation, radically transformed this whole situation, Jesus. <laughs> Letting him in and fully surrendering my heart to him to work on changed everything, changed everything. And we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm going to dive into some other things. But so while I know that we are not all married here, I want to share with you some of uh, the revelation that God has, has given me, um, because whether or not you can relate to my story at all, whether or not you're married or single, the truth is that our spiritual intimacy and our relationship with Jesus is super important. And it affects all of our relationships in the physical world so much more than I ever knew. And I firmly believe this. And so let's talk about that. <clears throat> our God is a relational God. Even the fact that he exists in a Trinity shows us this. And when we go back and we look at the very beginning, we go back to Genesis, the very beginning of everything, we see God's original and perfect design and why he made us. See, God doesn't need us. He wanted us. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. He made us humans in his image, special and very good. He breathed his breath into our lungs to bring us to life spiritually. And we're the only creations that were made this way. And his original design <clears throat> when he created the world was for us to walk with him in the garden, to be unified with him, to have this God and human connection, right? And we see also in the very beginning of Genesis, we see God's beautiful design for man and for woman and for marriage, for marriage in the very, very beginning. 
God made man and wanted him to have a complimentary companion on this earth. And so he took his rib and he made woman out of man and created them to have this intimate union together. Genesis 2, 23 through 24, the man says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman for she was taken out of me. And then God says, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. All right, I want to talk about this term one flesh. We see this a lot throughout the Bible and it's really important. In Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, we see this referenced again and expands and, and Paul actually is talking about this at this point and he expands this metaphor. <clears throat> he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined with his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and his church. So this idea of one flesh is the shadow and mirror of Christ in us and us in Christ in that relationship. One flesh is symbolic and it's, <clears throat> it's the symbolic physical mirror of how we become one spirit in unity with Jesus. And God's design for marriage is seen from the very start, like I said, and it's the mirror of how he desires relationship with us. It's God ordained and it's God empowered. And we all too readily regard it in purely the physical sense relating to sexual joining, but the reality is far more powerful than that. It's less about the physical act and it's more about the covenant that's made between a man and a wife in marriage. And one of the things that God's really revealed to me lately is how he, <clears throat> how he uh, relates to us as in, relates to humanity throughout the Bible by making covenants, covenants with us. Covenants are agreements, laws, the way things work. <coughs> Sorry, guys, I'm getting over losing my voice. I'm not going to let the enemy win, though. I'm going to be able to get this talk out. So the marriage covenant was created by God. And it's extremely valuable to God, again, because it mirrors our relationship with him. And in reality, marriage is a very much a spiritual union of a man, a woman, and God. And when sin entered the world in Genesis and Adam and Eve ate the apple, we see the fall of man and then we become separated from God until Jesus comes later. Okay. So as I've studied the word more and more, I see how God really uses this family relationship language throughout the Bible and see God made relationships. He made us and he made us to be united with him intimately in relationship. And I think he really designed these on earth in the physical in an attempt to really help us understand how he sees us and wants to relate to us spiritually. Only his ways of relationship far exceed our comprehension and far exceed our warped version of it as a fallen humanity. So we see frequently these words like son, father, heir, co-heir, um, brother, sister, daughter, children of God, right? We see, um, we see all of these types of things, but one of the strongest relationships we see, and I didn't see it first, but when God started to reveal this to me more and more, I'm going to explain this to you today <clears throat> in a deeper way. It really blew my mind and it's the relationship of husband and wife. And so I really believe that when the Holy Spirit reveals the bridal and wedding metaphors, it will change how you see the whole gospel. It will change your relationship with Jesus. Um, at least it has for me. So let me first say though, 
I will be the first to admit that this type of language and this concept of Jesus as a husband, it totally freaked me out when I first heard about this. I could not handle it. <laughs> you can ask Nina. Even just two months or in November, which was what, what, like three months, three months ago, she had an exercise where we were envisioning our wedding day and Jesus is at the altar and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Like that just shows you how fast God is like, change this for me, but it felt too human. It felt too romantic. It felt inappropriate even and wrong to me to think of God in this way. It felt irreverent to me. And I know now it's because I was thinking of this in terms of my own human relationships and perverting it in my mind based on that. Um, so soon after I was saved, which is when I, I actually, I don't, again, I don't know for sure if I was saved before or whatever, but my experience with Jesus, that became very much of a change in my life was, <clears throat> uh, was September 23rd, 2021. And so soon after that, a up. Um, but Jesus had made himself very much known to me at that point. And so I was ready to finally know him. And so I humbly and honestly, and honestly, it was kind of scary in prayer. I was like, okay, Jesus, if we're going to do this, if we're going to have this relationship, I need to know you. I need to know your heart. I need you to help me break the walls down in mine. I need you to help teach me how to actually love and how to actually allow myself to receive love and how to then love others. I cannot do this on my own. So I basically asked God to teach me how to love. And as vulnerable and as scary as it felt, I surrendered that to him. And I asked him to take me deeper into knowing him and experiencing him and his love. And well, let me just say, <laughs> he did. <laughs> and it's continuing to do so. I was overcome by his love. Um, I kid you not, and maybe you've experienced this too. So if you, if you have, you understand um, if you haven't, it's available for everyone, but I kid you not, I felt like a crazy person because he became like this giant magnet that I was like attracted to. At times I felt like my heart was literally going to explode. Um, I mean, I had times where I was literally sleeping at night and I would wake up and like be pulled to go pray and like go into my prayer room and like, yeah, like it was like, it's like a holy obsession. Um, and although I had just surrendered a whole lot in my life, like physical stuff, like my business, um, a lot of clients and stuff, <clears throat> this whole like surrounding my heart, it felt like I was taking like a mini free fall into the unknown. And yet I had total peace because of God. <clears throat> so he not only helped me see my true identity through a lot of time, just spending time with him. Um, he started helping me understand who I really am in him and, and shedding those false identities that I'd always gained from the world but he also brought me through a lot of healing of my past relationships and experiences that have happened to me. And he helped me see that while I sinned in the past, um, I could choose, or I could choose to forgive those people and be forgiven. So he helped me break off a lot of soul ties that I had developed with other relationships and even forgiving my parents and forgiving all kinds of examples that I had of relationships in my life. And he showed me more and more <clears throat> of his design for intimacy and relationship and how completely pure that is and how faithful he is and how my idea of intimacy was completely warped from the world and how he is not that way. And so I asked to be taken deeper and to know him more. 
yes, I was literally asking for this and I continued to ask for this actually. Um, I was like, I'm not afraid anymore. Let's go. So I feel like very quickly, he brought me really into the deep end. Um, but there's endless steps to God. So again, I'm not an expert. I'm still new at this. <laughs> However, he brought me more and more and more and more into this bridal. <laughs> and interestingly, the people who I really first was led to, to listen to, who were speaking about this, um, were actually all men. And I really think that that was on purpose because it helped me to actually see that this is not about, you know, this is not about like a woman and man romantic type. Of, it is. Well, we'll talk about that. Um, it's not about like a sexual thing. It's intimate, but it's far beyond our human relationships. And it's for men, women, everyone. So whether you're married or not, the bridal and wedding metaphor um, and this concept, I believe as, as I go through it and break it down for you, it's going to help you see the gospel in a totally new way. Um, it may help your current relationship in the physical, if you have one, or your future relationships, it's going to help that. And it's going to give you comfort in the singleness if you are single right now. So this bride and bridegroom type of language is all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as you saw, as we talked about in Genesis, the union of man and woman, it started in the very beginning of the, in the garden. Okay. And Adam who brought death into the world is like the shadow to Jesus who is called our second Adam and who brings us back to life. Interestingly, both had their sides opened or pierced one for the woman to become one with her and one for his church, the bride to become one in spirit with her. Eve is simply the shadow of us, the church, the bride of Christ. And in books like Hosea, uh, God actually refers to his people as adulterers and paints this picture, although it's actually a real story, but of, of the prostitute, of the adulterer, who's unfaithful to God and putting all of these other things before him, yet he takes her back as the faithful husband. It actually says that you will call me husband, no longer master. In James 4.4, 4, um, it calls finding our satisfaction in the world adultery to God. Um, God is jealous for number one place in our hearts. And we see this all throughout the Bible. In Isaiah 54, five, the Bible says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord almighty is his name. And then we also see in the new Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom many times. Um, one of the first times we see this in the new Testament is actually John the Baptist uh, John the Baptist refers to Jesus as this, and he, he refers to himself as like the best man. And when people are asking John the Baptist, are you upset that all your, cause he had, he had followers. Are you upset that your followers are following Jesus now that he's here? And John says the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attend, attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. John 3, 29. And Paul, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might be present, sorry, so that I may present to you as pure virgin to him. <clears throat> and then in Matthew 24, we see actually Jesus is talking about all these parables in this, in this part. And he paints this prophetic picture of end times in Matthew tw chapter 24. And then in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus jumps right into the parable of the 10 virgins, the five wise, the five unwise, who the unwise don't have enough oil in their lamps to make it to the wedding feast. And they're trying to go find the bridegroom, but they can't. Basically, it's a warning call for being unprepared at his final coming. <coughs> and so then 
in Revelations, we see this picture of the wedding feast and we see uh, it actually says the spirit and the bride say come when they're calling for Jesus. And it's interesting that spirit and the bride are one voice united calling for Jesus to come. And then in Revelations 19, seven, it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And there's even more. These are just some of the ones. So there's a lot of talk about this. And um, what's interesting is, do you think it's coincidence that Jesus's first public miracle was at a wedding feast in Cana, turning the water into wine? And then the very last picture we have is of the wedding feast with the bride of Christ, with us and Jesus. I don't think so. Jesus was pierced in the rib and his blood restores us back into perfect union with him. Adam's rib was removed and removed to make woman and become united with her. So we see these parallels. Um, there was this giant veil hanging in the Jewish temple, separating everybody from God. And when Jesus died, the veil tore, right? Isn't it awesome to think about how there's a veil in relation to weddings, right? And the veil is lifted when the two couples become one in the marriage ceremony. So Jesus came to make us one again, to reconcile us back into right relationship with God and to unify us in spirit, one spirit. He tore the veil between us. Now, I used to think and feel wrong just a few months ago about this whole romanticizing God, but it actually is all pretty romantic when you think about the life that was given for you. When you realize that you were a child of the darkness, you were in Satan's dominion. We all were until Jesus came to you personally and knocked on the door of your heart. And you said yes to allowing him to save you from the darkness and to bring you into the light, into his kingdom and, and asked him to be the Lord and savior of your life. See, he never stopped seeking you. <clears throat> he went on a personal rescue mission for you. And when you dive deeper into the Hebrew and the, the old Jewish marriage customs, you'll see these unbelievable parallels between our relationship and, and how the Bible paints it all out with God and all the things that played out in the gospel and this um, traditional Hebrew wedding. <laughs> oh my God, gosh, hold on. It's all actually really, really beautiful. So I wanna walk through it with you real quick. <clears throat> okay, so in Jewish wedding customs, traditionally, the groom would leave his father's home and travel to his bride. And he would give her a dowry, which was a bride price to purchase her. And she would have to be made known the price and the wife could only be acquired by her consent. So we see in Ephesians 5.31, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Okay, now when you think about this, Jesus left his father's house in heaven to come down to earth, to come down to us on earth. He gave the ultimate price, his own blood. For the chance that we would say yes, even when we didn't care about him, even when we were sinners, even when we turned away, we were unfaithful and we neglected. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Okay. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were purchased at a price. So you can see that right there, that, that parallel. God did something for us, even when we don't deserve it. And yet, because he loved us far beyond comprehension, he came on a rescue mission to save our lives, to save our souls, to save your soul. 
for eternity. And yet we're not forced to say, yes, we have a choice. Jesus giving all of himself on the cross, pouring out his blood for us is like a giant wedding proposal for our commitment and our love. God wants us to say yes voluntarily to surrendering our life to him on our own terms, not by force, because that's true love, right? So when we say yes, we are committing to following and trusting and putting our faith in him as our spiritual husband. We turn away from Satan and all of the other gods that take our priority and number one in our heart, right? And we put him first in our heart. And what's interesting is when we do that, as, as Christians, we typically say yes to following Jesus with an outward sign of our commitment, like baptism. Well, in Jewish, traditional Jewish wedding customs, when the couple decided to get, to get, to get together, when the couple decided that they were going to be married, or the woman said yes, the couple would often immerse themselves in water and have this cleansing um, ritual as well, which is pretty cool. Now, this would then start this sanctification period sorry, this starts our sanctification period for us, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And in Jewish marriage, um, this would actually, this, this cleansing ceremony would start the betrothal period. And what's interesting is the word betrothal actually means sanctified. So this is when in Jewish customs that the wedding covenant was technically enacted and signed. And the couple would typically drink a glass of wine together to celebrate this covenant, this agreement that they made. Now, when we take communion, we were remembering and celebrating what Jesus did for us and also our commitment to him. Now, uh, the couple was technically married, but in Jewish customs, traditions, I'm talking like, you know, way back in the day, they didn't celebrate their wedding feast yet. What would happen is the groom would go away, typically for a year or so, to prepare a home for his wife, which was usually a better place than where she came from. Now, Jesus says before he dies in John 14, 3, <clears throat> My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so, uh, so that you may be where I am. Okay. Unlike modern engagements, this betrothal period for Jewish weddings, it was not easily broken off. Like this was a covenant. This was an agreement. Okay. And the whole point when the groom was gone was the bride was to prepare herself, to make herself ready, to get her white dress ready. Although I actually read that the groom makes her, makes the clothes for all of the wedding guests and the bride, which there's actually scripture to support that as well. Um, but her job was to stay pure and to wait for his return. Jesus refers to this in various parables, especially the one in Matthew chapter 25 and in Revelations. And at the very end times, there's a wedding feast. Okay, this is like where it all ends. And he says, the bride has made herself ready and is dressed in white linen. This is Revelations 19, 7. Okay. Now, when the bridegroom went away in Jewish customs, he would leave his bride with a gift during that time. It was like his promise to her that he would return. Jesus tells us it is for our best interest that he goes away because he is sending us a helper, a gift, the Holy Spirit, which is the best gift because it's the gift that keeps on giving. So Jesus knows that we can't prepare ourselves by ourselves. This gift that he gives us while he's gone, as we wait for his second coming, is here to help sanctify us, to purify us, to teach us, to reveal wisdom to us, to give us joy and peace and love, and to keep us intimately connected with him while he's away until he returns again. Ah, oh, man. Come on, Lord. <laughs> 
we are the bride of Christ as a church and individually who await his return. So in light of all of this, when you really start to see this picture of this Jewish wedding played out in the gospel, like it's so beautiful and it's so amazing. And it really helps to change the meaning of other scriptures. One in particular that really took a different meaning for me that so many of us independent women hate hearing is the famous uh, talk about wives submitting yourselves to your husbands, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to read it to you because it has a totally different take when you really think about it and, what, and when, you, when your relationship with Jesus changes as well. But it says, <clears throat> submit to one another. I think this is Ephesians. I don't know why I don't have it written down. Anyways, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head, <laughs> the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. <clears throat> husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish as holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and take and cared for their body just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, and he's quoting, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So this is Paul sharing this whole thing. I think it's in Ephesians. <coughs> Excuse me. And when I think about this now, it's not like oh, submit to my husband. Like, no, I'm an independent woman. It's like, it's out of reverence and out of response. When you think about what Jesus did for you, he gave his life for you. And because in our relationship, you know, man and woman, we serve as that uh, woman is almost like the, the metaphor for the church and man is like the metaphor for Christ, right? Like the second Adam. And so we see like this whole, you submit to each other because of what Jesus did for us. And it's out of our response that we submit back. Um, and, you know, husbands are called to, to love their wives and give themselves to her just as Christ gave himself for the church. He died for us, Right. So we're both called to submit to each other out of self-sacrificial self love, which is the same kind of love that Jesus gave for us. So it doesn't sound anymore like, oh, I have to like submit out of like this, I don't know, whatever. It's more of like this beautiful purity in the way that God designed it that we should want to out of response for what God did for us. So I don't know if that changes how you see that passage, but for me, it really did. <clears throat> okay, so... Lastly, in the book of Revelations, we see the trumpet's blast as Jesus returns for his bride, which interestingly in Jewish customs was actually typically done as well when the groom was coming to get his bride, there would be trumpets that would blast. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then we see this wedding feast and the church and the bride of Christ made perfect and spotless and holy. It literally says that, just like that passage above, um, which is just like Jesus himself. So you can see from the beginning of God, the beginning of time, God painted this whole picture. <coughs> of the wedding and the reunion to come between himself and his bride, the church, and all of us individually. 
Now, Jesus says in John 14, 21 and 23 through 34, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and will reveal myself to each of them. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and he will come and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. So that's really beautiful to think about too, is like this, again, joining of us with God and like this, this unity, it's, it's all about unity. And that's what intimacy with God is about. It's about unity. And it's just so interesting to me how our, you know, marriage is one of the most important relationships. And again, whether you're married or not, you are spiritually married and can be spiritually married and should be with Jesus. And so we just see this played out so beautifully. And it's, it's really interesting because I actually relate so much more as I've been taken into this deeper of this deeper and deeper into this metaphor. My eyes have been open to this. I relate so much more to Jesus in this way now uh, <clears throat> in light of this whole like spiritual betrothal It not only changes how I view the gospel, um, but it changes how I view God's love of me and, and all of us. And <clears throat> the thing that I think is so awesome about this is that it makes you willingly want to obey and to give your life to him our perfect spiritual husband who we can trust, who is faithful, who is not like husbands of this world or anyone of this world, right? And love is our most powerful weapon. It's the most powerful weapon that God gives us. It overcomes death. It overcomes sin. It overcomes uh, Satan's temptations. And it matters to God. It absolutely matters to God. This is the type of love that truly transforms us. And it's the only way when you think about people who undergo persecution for the gospel, how are they able to go through all of that joyfully? Even it's only through God's transformational love. And so intimacy with God and developing this kind of relationship with God matters to God. He doesn't just want us to read our Bibles, to go to church, to go through the motions. He wants to intimately know us. He wants to be intimately known. Let me say this different. He wants us to intimately know him and to be known by him. <clears throat> in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, he's talking about the end times when people come knocking on the door. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I will then declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, now this is a scary passage, but there's power here. So listen, these people, they were working for him. They were believers. <coughs> they were doing miracles in his name. They were casting out demons in his name. They believed in him. And yet Jesus says, I never knew you. And if you look up, I looked up, I have my nerdy concordance. I look up the Hebrew meaning of the word no here are new. And in Hebrew, this kind of new is actually referring to a very intimate personal relationship. Um, it even implies the same kind of knowing that comes from a sexual relationship. Like when Adam knew Eve, it says in the Bible. Now I'm not saying that Jesus wants to have sex with us. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that spiritually he wants us to be in a deep, intimate relationship with him. Okay. And marriage, going back to marriage, Marriage is a deep spiritual agreement. And, you know, we can see how big it is spiritually, actually. I never thought of marriage as a spiritual covenant and a spiritual bonding before, but 
man, you can see how, how powerful it is when you see how hard the enemy attacks it in the world today. Yet when we practice intimacy spiritually, we will stand stronger against the enemy's schemes, both in our spiritual life and in our physical marriages and our relationships. And we will have a reward one day in heaven. Um, I, again, whether you're married or not, this is important to cultivate this relationship with Jesus now. <clears throat> Interestingly too, we see how important this is to God because Jesus also criticizes the church in Ephesus at the very end times in Revelations. He's praising, he's going through all the churches and he praises the church of Ephesus, praising them for all their good deeds, telling them, you know, you had your good, good, uh, you had your like, uh, what's the word? Theology, right? You had your good deeds, you knew sin, like all the things. But he tells them that they failed, even though they did all the right things that they failed because they forgot their first love, which is God. So why is this so important? Why is intimacy with God so important? Why love Jesus this way? Well, Jesus says so. <laughs> Other than keeping his commandments, it's also the gift that we are given here to experience. When we have this intimate relationship with God, we actually experience this little taste of heaven on earth because the manifest presence of God is unreal. If you get a taste of that, like it transforms you. It's literally like being in love. The only, it's only in a way that actually helps you love your spouse more and love others more. It's transformational. And it comes with pure joy and peace and real healing, real healing in our hearts. And um, what's interesting is the more that we spend time with God in this intimate type of relationship, the more we become like God which is the whole goal for God is for us to become more and more like Jesus, for us to look more and more like his son. God loves himself. <laughs> when we look like his son, someone had this quote that said, Jesus stood before God as you so that when you stand before God, he, he will see Jesus. Basically you will stand before God looking like him. Um, if we allow him to transform us. So as you spend more time with him, <clears throat> then this starts to happen more and more. And then what's really cool is that you then become more like him and your heart breaks for the things his heart breaks for. And you see the world more the way he does and your desires become his desires or his desires become your desires. And then you love others and extend that out to the world. And it, all the commandments take care of themselves when we get right with God. Also, this type of relationship builds trust. It builds trust with God. It builds trust with others. Again, like we have these broken relationships in the human fallen world, right? But when we can really cultivate right natured intimacy with God and we can reprogram how these relationships, this relationship with God and, and develop a pure, beautiful relationship with God, we can seek that out. If maybe you're not married, you can seek out that in a spouse. Um, you know, we're, maybe some of us have had people let us down. Maybe men have let us down. I know that's happened for me, but God is faithful and he wants to show us that he is not like other, he's not like the people in our, in our life. <clears throat> and he'll demonstrate that to us over and over and over. So this will actually help raise your values and your standards for your real relationships in real life as you get closer with God. And I believe those of you who aren't married will find that this will help you seek out that God-loving husband um, and have a beautiful marriage in the future. Also, when you're tempted, when you have this relationship with God that's so strong like this, when you're tempted, it's so much easier to say no, and you don't even want to. It's like saying, no, thanks, I'm married. <laughs> like you don't want to flirt and date the devil when you're committed to Jesus. And when you remember that you've been rescued, rescued by the King of Kings and the lover of your soul, it makes overcoming sin so much easier because a wife wants to please her faithful husband, right? So let's talk about some tangibles. How do we cultivate this intimacy, this deeper intimacy with Jesus? Again, I'm new at this, so I'm not going to claim to be an expert, 
but have kind of gone into the deep end here. So <clears throat> I'm hungry for it. So here's what's helped me. <clears throat> Not this, but number one is pray for it. Recognize that you can't do anything on your own. Humbly admit that you need his help and you want to know him more. Pray to him to know him more. Ask the Holy Spirit to remove any blocks and reveal his heart to you more. Um, this is literally what I had to do. I was like, listen, I don't know how to love. I don't know how to receive love. So I need your help. Um, confess your sins and repent. Sins will keep us separated from God. So confess your sins. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your sins. Um, maybe there's things you haven't even thought of. We're going to continually, no one's perfect. So we're going to continually have things, but seeing your sins as painful or sorry, recognizing and seeing your sins is painful. However, it also makes you that much more grateful for Jesus and run to him. So unless you've been convicted of your sins, you don't really recognize how much he's done for you. Um, there's actually a story in the Bible about that, where the woman, I think she's like a prostitute. And he says to her, he's like, those who have much sin will be that much more like grateful and, and come to me or whatever. So um, nothing's too much for God, right? He came to help the lost. <laughs> so give it to him. Uh, listen, this is a big one. Listen, I'm working on this big time. Sit and just be with him. Go, you know, be with him alone. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door and pray to your father, be alone. Give him space to communicate back to you um, and spend time in his word consistently because God speaks through his word. And you can pray for that as well. Pray for revelation through his word. You can pray through the scripture. Um, okay. The other thing I would really recommend is starting a journal. This has been huge for me. Um, when I sit with God and I ask him to reveal things to me, and he does, I write them down. And the more that I do that, the more that I see, wow, like I can really see things actually play out. I can see how God is speaking. Um, you start to learn more and more and trust that it is his voice. Um, it's also really great when you are having those moments of doubt to look back and see like, wow, look at these things he's taken me through. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. I call it a Jesus journal. I literally started and I said, God, I said, Jesus, I don't know you. How am I supposed to love you? In order to love you, I have to know you. So reveal yourself to me. And I ask him to reveal himself to me in some way each day. And he's taken me from like, again, like very basic stuff to like a lot deeper stuff and a lot of stuff within myself, right? Like healing stuff. Um, the other thing is just being open, <coughs> being open and being okay with being uncomfortable and vulnerable. Cause it is hard. Like you might have some things revealed to you that are, are challenging. You might have to forgive some people you might have to go through some past experiences, maybe, or maybe he'll show you those of where you need to forgive people. And it can be challenging. And so um, again, though, he is going to do this on a pace that you can handle. He is going to do this gently. Um, he is the greatest healer. Honestly, um, I'll tell you the end of my testimony in a little minute here, but there will be some tears. There probably will be tears. There may be weeping, uh, sometimes revelations that will completely wreck you, but he's, he's gentle and super transformational. I can break a chain like that. It's, it's wild. So what blew my mind was that as I sought after God and as I've done this, he's revealed more and more and he's taken me deeper into this revelation of his love. And here's what ended up happening pretty radically. Um, the issues with my husband that I talked about in the bedroom completely changed, completely changed. They are now, if you could hear my thoughts, it's like, it's crazy town day and night. My thoughts now are thanking God for my husband, praising God, saying this is heaven on earth you know, it's, it's, an, it's like prayer during, it's all prayer of gratitude and thanks. It is not the negative and the evil and all that. It's like he broke off a curse 
And I really believe it was a curse of the enemy because the enemy will do anything to try to keep us to, to, to try to get us to fall into sexual sin before, before marriage and do everything to keep us apart when we are married because marriage is so important. And I really believe now, I was thinking about this today too, like the reason also he attacks it so much is because if we can't have, and we don't have examples of, of good, strong marriages in our life, which a lot of us come from divorce, I do, <clears throat> and adultery and infidelity and all of that was what I was modeled to, what was modeled to me then how can I trust God, right? It's so much harder to trust God and to view God in this way because the, my example of marriage was broken. And so the enemy is going to try to attack us so bad, y'all, but we have the opportunity to change future generations by us saying no and realizing the beauty of this and realizing the importance of that right-natured intimacy with God because that is our strongest weapon. And then when you are married, you are, you know, that relationship is, first off, God can heal if you have issues, God can heal it. Um, I'm living proof of that. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. But also it is actually, um, sex and marriage is a sign of worship to God. Um, and, and the more that I've, that, that has changed my perception of it as well. Just anyways, it's, it's wild. So I really believe that our, our intimacy spiritually deeply affects our marriage intimacy. Um, and, and the physical manifestation is like kind of showing that the health, the health of our spiritual life. Um, now I'm not saying this is all going to happen necessarily overnight for you. For me, it was like an instant breaking chains. It was something I didn't even ask for. I didn't even pray for. I didn't even know that God could heal, heal this area of my, my marriage. Um, but when I finally opened my heart to him and I prayed to him to break the walls down and to help me receive love with him, it completely like, uh, transpired into my marriage. And again, if you're not married, that's okay. Because building this relationship with Jesus will not only comfort you and allow you to remain pure while you're waiting for your physical husband, um, it, well, that's a big one. It's going to, it's going to help you do that. I believe, because I, I was sitting there one day with him and I was realizing like, it finally hit me. I'm like, I was feeling super fulfilled and like, super, just like, I was like buzzing. I was like blissed out. And I was just sitting in like his presence. And I was just like, wow, this is how people stay celibate. I'm like, I get it because God fulfills you in a way that's like so much more than a human can. And I can see how, if you truly are in that relationship with God, like it gives you that supernatural strength, not saying it's not, it's not, not saying that temptation is not there and it's easy always, but I can see how now people can. And because I understand the beauty of the way God intended marriage and how spiritual it really is. Um, I also believe that as you develop this relationship with God, it's going to raise your values and your standards for your future husband, which is going to ensure more of a healthy marriage in the future, because you're going to seek out a different kind of partner, which is awesome. Um, and so again, while it may feel scary to be vulnerable, remember, we are made to be in this kind of relationship with God. He made us for this. He knows us better than anyone. God became a human and underwent all the things, every temptation you can imagine. He was hungry. He was tired. He was all the things, tortured more than any of us could ever, you know, <laughs> know, thank God. Um, and so he knows what you're going through and he knows you more than you even know yourself because he made you. So it's not weird it's our own mindsets about human relationships that warp this right-natured intimacy that God designed and wants to have with us, at least for me, it was. And so I believe that he will move us deeper into a relationship with him as we want it, as we seek it, we have to seek it. He made the first move and he's not going to force anything on us, um, but he will move us there at the pace that we can handle with gentleness and love and heal our wounded souls when needed um, and help us to love him and help us to love ourselves and help us to love others. So this Valentine's Day, I want you to make a date to worship, adore, and spend time thinking about the one who gave everything for you, literally who bled to save you, 
before you even cared about him, probably. <laughs> and all for the chance that you would say yes. All for the chance that you would say yes. Our hero in heaven, the one who loved us first, our savior, our rescuer from the darkness, our redeemer, our king, our good shepherd, the groom who is with you in spirit and who's preparing a special place for you one day in heaven. Whew, wow, I don't know if that doesn't give you fresh fire for what Jesus did for you and what he's all about. I don't know what will, but I hope that this maybe helps you just to realize how powerful God's love is for you and how powerfully that relationship with God can not only affect your, your own you know, your own love, your own joy, your own peace, all of the gifts that he has to give you, but also how it will help you in your relationships um, with your spouse, with your future spouse, with others in the world. I truly believe that when that is right, we're able to truly love other people more right. And can you imagine if all of the world had a good relationship with God like this? Like we would change the game, but um, it starts with you. Generations can be changed by your example. So I hope that you take this and run with it and seek him, um, really seek him, knock. What does he say? Ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be open or seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open to you. So <clears throat> there's so many levels. And again, like I said, I am not here coming to you as a teacher, as an expert, but just to share something that's completely transformed my life already. And I know will continue to transform my life and my relationships <clears throat> as more and more um, as the sanctification period continues. So with that, I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much and I love you. Hey, real quick, I hope you're loving this episode. And if you're listening and you're like, yes, I don't wanna just know about God. I wanna personally know God. I want a real relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, the best way that you can do that is by reading the Bible. And the best way you can do that is when you're plugged into a community to discuss it with. I want to personally invite you to join me inside Encompass Community. This is your way to get access to the exact same Bible studies and the community of women that truly helped me change my life. They introduced me to Jesus, helped me develop a real relationship with him, and honestly have become true friends I can count on no matter what. And the best news is, is this community is virtual. It's on demand for whenever you're able to plug in. No more trying to go to early morning Bible study groups or late at night and trying to find childcare. We are there for you when you are when you need it most, and it's right at your fingertips. Now, let me tell you too, these are not your average Bible studies. These are custom written by my gifted and amazing friend and faith mentor, Nina. Nina really truly has a gift for bringing the word of God to life and applying it to our lives as modern women. In our work and our relationships, it's like personal development, but straight from the Bible. We also do live prayer calls, we network, and we discuss all of the things inside our virtual community that is off social media. And you can jump into our membership community for only $21. Go ahead and visit encompasswomen.com or check out the show notes below for the link and jump in and join us in our current study.